Amen. Don't you appreciate God's presence? I'm going to tell you, I, uh, there's times going to, uh, you know, sometimes being in a church like ours, and of course I know we don't have a monopoly on things, but if we're not careful, I'm saying this to myself, uh, sometimes I just forget how good we have it. Amen. I'm telling you, what we call a dead service, most people would call a, a wonderful service. I mean, and God's been good to us, hasn't he? He don't owe us anything. I'm going to tell you, God could turn the power off in this place and in one minute, amen, and be gone. And uh, but I want to stay on fire for God, don't you? I do not. I do not want to lose my joy. I do not want to lose my fire. I'm telling you, all the days of my life, health is going to fail one day in all of us, but I want to still be on fire for God in the last days, don't you? And uh, you can be if you want to be. And uh, as much as we want to be. Revelation chapter 3 tonight for just a few moments. And uh, we're not going to preach very long tonight, Revelation 3. But I really enjoyed the testimonies. And I'll tell you, uh, we ought to have more of them. And uh, if you say, uh, well, you know, I get tired of hearing the same people. I don't never get tired of hearing people testify. Uh, but in case you, there might be somebody say, so well, I wish somebody else to testify. Well, you ought to try it yourself. Amen. And do that. I promise you, God will help you. Amen. And when you testify, I don't talk about a bunch of crazy stuff. Somebody say amen. You know why I say that? Because I see it so much. And uh, not necessarily do we see it here. But the reason we don't see it here is because I say that often enough. And I'm not being mean when I say that. I want to educate anybody. We always knew people are coming in, and you want to educate them. And it was a time when you didn't have to, Brother David. People just, I just knew, amen. But uh, we're living in a time when people don't read their Bible. They don't pray as much. And sometimes uh, I'll get in a service, and uh, they'll talk about everything but God and the Bible. And uh, that don't do anything for me. Can I get a witness? Get up and thank God for what he's done for you. If you've been saved and you testify, you all be able to tell about when you got saved. Or just if you don't know anything else, just to give a verse of scripture and say, I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Amen. But uh, that glorifies God. Isn't that right? And uh, I've enjoyed every testimony tonight. And uh, Revelation 3 and verse number 7, if you'll stand with us for just a few moments. We'll read this scripture. We're going to preach a short message tonight. Um, but just what we feel like God wants us to preach. Revelation 3 and verse number 7. And, the, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works, but oh, I have set before thee an open door. No man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I will, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Help us tonight now. We'll love you and thank you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. 
I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this thought on the Philadelphian church. The Philadelphia church. When you think about uh, the church of Philadelphia tonight, uh, the Bible talks about in verse number seven, the city of Philadelphia, that it was an actual city. It was one of the seven uh, cities of, uh, of, the, of Asia Minor. And Paul wrote not to the city, but he wrote to the church. Now, a lot of times when we think about a city, we think about New York City or we think about Atlanta, Georgia, these great cities. But when God looks down, he doesn't magnify the city. He magnifies the church. Amen. But there is the city of Philadelphia here. And then uh, we see not only the Christ of Philadelphia, as verse number seven is Christ speaking, the angel talking to the pastor of the church of Philadelphia. These things saith he, notice this, that is holy, that is true, and that hath the key of David. So there's three things that uh, identify Jesus Christ here, the Christ of Philadelphia. When God looks down and sees that city, he sees the church, uh, and the church is the light of the world. It's the it's the salt of the earth, and the church is to be the is to be those that exemplify Christ. It's the bride of Christ, and so uh, there is the city of Philadelphia. It was a literal city. There's the Christ of, of Philadelphia, talking about He that is holy, He that is true, and that He that hath the key of David. In other words, He is in charge uh, of the city, and He is in charge of the church. Amen. I want to say this: uh, this whole world may look like it's turned inside out. It may look like it's in turmoil tonight, but everything that is taking place around the world is still under his control, amen? So there is the city of of Philadelphia, the Christ of Philadelphia, but then there is the church, amen? He said, and to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, he is writing to the church, and God always has something he wants to say to the church. In fact, whatever God is going to say, or whatever God is going to do, he's going to do it through a local New Testament church. Amen. You cannot bypass the church. There are a lot of people that try to start ministries without the local church and a lot of people support things that are outside the local church. But I want to tell you something friend. If God's going to put his stamp of approval on something, it's going to have to be done through the local church. Amen. If you want to support a missionary, support a missionary through the local church. Amen. Uh, Put it in the basket in the place where he chose to put his name. Let God get the glory for it. Let the church get the benefit of it. And then you'll get the reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Uh, But brother, listen, God uh, uh, works through the church. Everybody, every believer that is saved uh, ought to be a member of a church. Can I get a witness right there? I understand people are looking for churches and praying about churches, but I'm not talking about that necessarily. I'm talking about my friend, uh, tonight if I was to leave this church, uh, there may be a period of time where I'm praying and seeking God's will for my life, uh, and I understand that, but I'm to join another local New Testament church. Isn't that right? You can't have church at home. Somebody say amen. I mean, listen, somebody came to me one time and they said, do you care if I start a little Monday night or Friday night? I can't remember what it was. Uh, uh, prayer meeting out the house. And they was innocent in what they were saying. I said, no. I said, brother, I'd just rather it all be done through the church. And they said, uh, why is that? And so uh, when I explained it to them, they understood that and said, that makes perfectly good sense. Uh, and I remember a time in my life when I didn't know that. Uh, uh, but I understand now that what we do, we must do it as an assembly. Isn't that right? God will bless us uh, for working 
working together through the local church. So when we come to the church of Philadelphia tonight, this is a church that God had put his stamp of approval on. It is a church, my friend, of believers that were faithful, that loved God, and that was living for Christ. Amen. I want to tell you, if there's ever a church I want to pastor, and I think I'm pastoring one tonight, I don't want to pastor a pastor of Laodicean church. Somebody say amen. I don't want to pastor, a, listen, a church of Ephesus that has left his first love. I don't want to pastor a worldly church like Thyatira, but I do want to pastor a Philadelphian church where people are faithful, they love God, and they want to live for Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I want to tell you tonight, you cannot put a price tag on a church that God has put his blessings on. I want to tell you something tonight. I'd rather be in a little old church somewhere on the side of the road that maybe doesn't have a beautiful auditorium. Maybe it doesn't have a whole lot of people, but it has the presence of God. And brother, I thank God that we're in a church tonight. We're not perfect. We're not, everything's not the way it ought to be. Brother Ronnie, everything isn't just, you know, to, to every T. It's not crossed and every I is not dotted. We do the best we can. But I want to say I'm glad we are in a church where God moves, where it's brave shows up where he visits with us. I'm glad we're in a church where people still get saved, where the Bible is still preached, where people still worship God, where homes are being helped. I want to be in a church where the presence of God is. Amen. Boy, I thank God for a beautiful building, don't you? I thank God that God has given us the facilities that he has. But I'll tell you something tonight, if facilities is all we had, it wouldn't matter if the parking lot was layered in gold tonight. It wouldn't matter if them columns were silver and the walls, my friend, were jasper. If there's no breath from another world, then we don't have anything. If all we had was a big bank account, we wouldn't have anything. I'm telling you, we spend about everything that comes in, but it's making a difference for the cause of Christ and the glory and honor of God. I want a church where he shows up, hallelujah. Isn't that right tonight? But when you think about the church, notice these things here that Jesus will talk to concerning the church of Philadelphia. He talks about the opportunities of this church in verse number eight. He said, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door that no man can shut, for thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. So what he says to this church here, Brother Mike, is I have set before you an open door. That open door speaks of opportunity. And can I tell you something, friend? This is a door that no man could open. He said it's a door that no man can shut. When God opens a door for a church, then we have a responsibility to step out on faith and walk through that door. Amen. Now I want to tell you something about Bible Baptist Church tonight. Being here almost 21 years. And Brother Capel's here tonight, 37 years, pastoring this church. I want to tell you something we could, I could say, and he would say amen if he was here tonight. I believe he'd say amen from heaven. Is that this is a church that's always been willing to walk through open doors. But I want to tell you something, in 21 years, I've never, never, never had anybody but going forward. 
I mean, for every time we want to go forward, there's never been anybody that's got mad and say, oh, well, we can't do that or we can't trust God for that or we can't believe God for that. In 21 years, it's never happened. I mean, it's never, I mean, listen, it's just if, if, if we're going to do something, people always go forward. Sometimes maybe they don't have the faith and I can understand that. Maybe sometimes uh, as a member, you say, well, I don't know how that's going to happen, but we'll just go ahead and if that's what uh, God lays on their heart, then that's what we're going to do. And I'll tell you something, I appreciate that tonight. The deacons appreciate that tonight. I'm telling you something. The reason God has blessed this church uh, is because you've been willing to follow. You've been willing to go through them open doors of opportunities uh, that God has provided for us. Uh, and you know what he's done in return? He's just opened the windows of heaven and he's poured out blessing on top of blessing on our church, on our homes, uh, on our families. Uh, don't you thank God for open doors? Amen. You know, tonight I thought about our jubilee. I thought it was $72,000 it cost, and then he said $77,000, and my heart kind of sunk a little bit. I shudder to even think what it would cost this year. But God will take care of us, won't he? He's paid every bill thus far. He'll continue to pay every bill as long as it's a door that he opened. If we've got to try to pry the door open, if we've got to try to prop the door open, hey, if we've got to get up and beg, borrow, and steal just to make ends meet, I don't think God's in it. Somebody say amen. But as long as he's turned the faucet on, I say let her run as long as she'll run because one day he may turn that faucet off for that door. You listen, as long as it's here, let's take good, let's make good of it, let's enjoy it. If God's given to us for a season, whatever that door is, let's be willing to go through it and trust God. Amen. You know, when we built this building and that building, we built them separately, you know. And uh, I don't remember, Brother Charles, how much we borrowed to build that building and buy that land over there. But I remember when we was building that building, me and my wife was talking about then. I said, you know, I mean, somebody's not going to like the color of the carpet. Somebody's not going to lie. And we didn't vote on none of it. Somebody say amen. I mean, we didn't vote on what. I was in a church one time. I was a member of a church, went there. And on Wednesday night, I come in. I've been working all day, you know, come in. And uh, there, we're singing congregationals. And I, I noticed something was a little bit different, but I couldn't tell uh, exactly what. And I happened to look up. And I noticed this chandelier was one kind of chandelier. This chandelier was another kind of chandelier. And this chandelier was another. There's three different chandeliers. Uh, and none of them matched the other ones that we had. I said, Lord, what's happened from Sunday to Wednesday? And what it was, we had to vote on which chandelier everybody like. I say hogwash on all that. Amen. I'm telling you, a church has got better things to do than to try to fuss and fight about. Who cares? I don't care if the carpet's polka dot. Amen. Well, I do care about that. Amen. But I'm telling you, friend, as long as it looks nice and it looks presentable, I'm telling you, we ought to just thank God for it. Amen. Nobody fusses about those things around here and I praise God for that. I'm telling you, just as long as it looks right and open doors, the opportunities. Do you know your church serves as an opportunity? for you and I to serve as we go out. When we think about going out in the community and witnessing in the community, that's an opportunity every day to invite people to the house of God. I mean, tonight, listen, a church doesn't have to be filled with titles and trophies and, and all kinds of things to have opportunities. I thought about our work day was an opportunity uh, to serve, and I understand everybody couldn't come on that work day, and I, but I understand that because there's always plenty of work to do. Can I get a witness? See, if you didn't make it to work day and you say, preacher, I, I really hated I didn't make it to work day, that's okay. I got a big old long list. 
And it's like you just pick whatever you want to as long as you can do it now, okay? Amen. But you know what? I'm glad the church gives us opportunities to serve. The jail, the nursing home, those are opportunities to serve God. To go out into the mission and preach is an opportunity through the local church. There's the opportunities of this church. But then there's the obstacles of this church. Notice in verse number nine, he said, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Now notice two things about this obstacle here. Number one, notice where this obstacle came from. It was Satan, the synagogue of Satan. Even the church of Philadelphia, as good of a church as it was, guess what? It faced obstacles, amen? And the obstacles uh, was not the brethren, it wasn't the church down the road, but the obstacle is Satan, amen? When something comes up in our church, uh, an obstacle gets in the way, we ought to identify it as the devil and not as each other. Somebody say amen. Because the devil is constantly trying to prod and to push and to poke uh, and to plant little evil surmisings and seed thoughts in all of our minds uh, that he might cross somebody up, that it might hinder the working of the church. Isn't that right? Brother, a church is going to have obstacles. And uh, I, I, there are different ways you have to deal with obstacles, and I'm not going to mention them tonight because they're not relevant. But I will say this. If every member will do their part and pray and be filled with the Holy Spirit, then we will not have obstacles within. The obstacles will be without. The tragedy is most of the time Uh, churches are fighting more problems within than they are without. It's the devil, isn't it, tonight? He works within the church, without the church, against the church. And then we notice tonight in this text here concerning these obstacles that not only was it Satan that was the source of that obstacle, but notice that God has promised to give them the victory. He said, behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. In other words, Satan may war against the church, but God has promised the church victory. And what that means for you and I tonight is you and I better stay under the umbrella of the church. Stay faithful to your church. Tithe to your church. Love your church. Keep your family in your church. Don't feel like you can go out and be an island to yourself and do things on your own. Friend, listen, after 30 years of being saved, I need the church as much tonight as I did the first night I got saved. Amen? Brother, I'm telling you tonight, I've not always been everything I need to be to the church, but the church sure has been a blessing and been a benefit to me. And I'm saying tonight the church is where the victory is going to be. If you want to be on the winning side, if you won't have victory in your life, then you better stay in the church that God has put you in. Amen. I watch people all the time shipwreck their life. Listen to me. They shipwreck their life because they get out there and they think they can serve. They think their life is going to be better without the church. You know, tonight, if I was to quit church, quit this church, and go down the road and start pastoring another church. I could tell you tonight I would be out of the will of God. It wouldn't matter how big the church is or how little. It wouldn't matter, listen, what, it wouldn't matter if it was prominent or not prominent. It wouldn't matter what the paycheck was, how much or how little it was. I want to tell you tonight to be somewhere else other than where God puts you, you would, be, you would miss the will of God tonight. And there are people, there are people tonight that used to sit here that don't sit here no more. There are people that used to, I mean, they were faithful here for years. 
You know, when you think about where you're at tonight sitting in this church, there are people that some of us and even the pastor tonight I never met. They lived for God for a period of time. I'm talking about before I became the pastor. And they're not here no more. They're not serving God. Tonight their life is shipwrecked. But at one time, they loved God and they lived for God just like we did. You know, the devil, if he could stir up something, make you mad to leave the church, if he could get you to go down the road somewhere, if he could get one of you young people to get the far country in your heart or your eyes tonight, get you to think, well, you know, I could go down there to one of those contemporary churches and I could dress different. I don't have to wear a suit and tie on Sunday. I don't have to carry a Bible. I can just kind of, you know, and I can have, boy, it's a little bit, they do things a little bit different. You see, he's always working some way or another. You say, oh, but preacher, I'd never go to a contemporary church. Maybe not. But maybe he would try somehow to get you crossed up and get you mad at somebody where you could no longer uh, go to church with them and felt like you had to go somewhere else. And if he can't do that, maybe he'll get your wife unhappy or he'll get your husband unhappy or maybe he'll get your children unhappy. He'll do something to try to drive you in a different direction. Now, sometimes God moves people for the better. Isn't that right? But a lot of times when it ain't God doing the moving and we just decide, you know what? I'm done here. I don't like the preaching. I don't like the standards. I don't like the conviction. I, I don't like the order of service anymore. I want to go somewhere where it's a little bit easier, a little bit lighter, a little bit different. And friend, listen, when we do that, we step out from the umbrella of safety that God has placed in our life. A lady looked at me one time and she said, you know, you think Bible Baptist Church is the only place you can go to church and be right with God. I said, yes, absolutely. Amen. You say, preacher, do you really believe that for her? Yes, I do. I told her, I said, I do believe that's the only place you can go to church and be right with God. She said, well, preacher, you just don't know that. I said, well, God saved you. He saved, your, he saved, your, he saved both your brothers, your daddy, your husband, and two of your children in this church. I said, now you tell me anywhere else you're going to go where God's going to bless you more than he's blessed you here. I said, it's will of God for you to stay here. Used to, I wouldn't say that. But I'll tell you, if people's going to shipwreck, why not tell them the truth? They're going to get mad at you no matter what. If you listen, if I stood on my head and spit gold, they're still going to get mad at me. Isn't that right? So I might as well tell them the truth. And maybe they'll get down the road and figure out, hey, guess what? Uh, you know what? Uh, he did love me enough to tell the truth. Maybe they'll get down the road and see it's not as good as they thought it was. And they thought, well, you know, I, I need to go back. I, I want to tell you something. If people get out of the will of God, they ought to always be able to come back if they're willing to repent and do right. Amen. And I think we ought to let, well, not just let them come in and act like nothing went on. Uh, they'll never get no blessings in life that way. If they ought to repent and get right with God, but if they get repent and get right with God, then God will bless them. But there's victory inside the church going to be obstacles if you teach that class and you're going to have good Sundays and bad Sundays if you're over that school there's going to be good days and bad days doesn't matter if you're whatever it is you're doing for God. There's going when you're changing lives and helping people. The devil's always going to be mad about that, isn't that right? He's always going to try to cause trouble. So there's the obstacles, there's the opportunities, but then there's the outcome of this church in verse number ten. He said, "Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the world to try them that dwell upon the earth." Now the hour of temptation in this text has to do with the tribulation period. And we're not going to take the time tonight, but we perhaps may be at another time. These seven churches are a timeline from Acts chapter number two to the rapture of the church that we see at the end or the beginning of chapter number four. And what they do is they're building a timeline through church history. They were literal churches 
but they represented a timeline. They represented uh, different aspects and different uh, times leading up to the rapture. And so here he is saying to this church that you don't have to worry about the hour of temptation. There's going to be a deliverance for the church. That's the outcome. The outcome is, is that before the tribulation comes upon this, uh, upon this world, you have kept my word uh, and I'm going to help you before the hour of temptation. Can I tell you that is the outcome of every church is that before my friend the tribulation comes, uh, we we are going to be gone. Amen. Oh, Brother Earl Hughes used to sing that old song, uh, uh, when the tribulation enters, uh, I'll be gone. Amen. And I want to tell you, friend, uh, there is coming a time of God's wrath and God's anger. It's going to be poured out for seven years upon this earth like the world has never seen. Uh, I'm talking about, friend, hell balls of fire like the world's never seen. Uh, two-thirds of the earth's vegetation and two-thirds of the world's ships uh, are going to be destroyed. Uh, I'm talking about there's going to be demons that's going to come out of the abyss and the river Euphrates like the world has never seen there's going to be a star fall from heaven there's going to be great earthquakes I'm talking about there's going to be pestilence and famines and wars and rumors of wars but mark it down the outcome for this church will be the same for the outcome of every true church we will not be here we'll be gone hallelujah we'll be gone boy won't that be wonderful and I want to say tonight, there's the outcome, but then there's the orders for this church. Look at verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. You know what we need to do in these last days? We need to hold fast. We do not need to compromise. We do not need to quit. We do not need to give in. You know, we're living in a time when a lot of churches are compromising. But I want to say tonight, it may not be compromise that causes us not to hold fast. You say, but Brother Gravely, we're not going to compromise. We're going to stand. But I want to tell you something tonight. If the devil can't get you in the area of compromise, I'm going to tell you where he'll get you next. It's the area of coldness. You see, tonight, I've met a lot of people that were gun barrel straight. but They were twice as empty. Brother, they grow cold on God. I want to keep my standards and my convictions tonight. I want to stand for principles and for the word of God and what is right. But I don't want to lose that fire and that fervency and that joy tonight. I want to stay. Hey, you ought to always say amen. Don't ever, if you ever started raising your hand, don't quit raising your hand. Don't ever quit going to church and singing in the choir. If you started singing in the choir, some of y'all retired from the choir. I don't know. I didn't know we had a retirement program, Brother David, but I looked out and I've seen quite a few people that used to sing that don't sing in the choir no more. Get back up in the choir. Can I get an amen? I mean, refire. Don't retire. You say, oh, now I understand if you're 90 years old, Brother Paul's not here tonight. He turned 91 years old, so we'll let Brother Paul retire from the choir because he turned 91. But listen, if you're 85 and under and you got good health and if you're 85 and older and you want to sing come on but if you're 85 and under and your legs will let you get up there if you can't walk up the steps I'm not telling you but I'm telling you listen that's not the 85 and the 80 year old ones that concern me I didn't know I was going to preach on this but I sure am glad I am right now I'm telling you listen don't you like the choir when it's wall to wall amen I like it that way don't you I like it when we're all packed in here like sardines and the temperature goes up about four degrees while we sing one degree for every song uh, and everybody's a fanning and we're all hot, amen, and some people's getting aggravated, you know. I like it that way, amen. At least you get them fired up before you preach. 
I'm talking about don't quit, amen. Brother, I mean, if you see an empty spot, fill it up, amen. You say, I've had a hard day at work. We don't care. Come on anyway, amen. You say, well, I, I, you know, I, I, I can't sing. It doesn't matter. There's a whole bunch of them up there that can't sing, but they sing anyway. I mean, just come on. Let's fill it up. Let's sing. Let's fire it up. Let's stay on the front line. Let's stay on the fire line. Hey, let's get full of God. Let's serve God. Hey, I feel like preaching even on a Sunday night. It's still good, amen. He said, well, I got mad at somebody, so I quit singing. Get over it, amen. Isn't that right? I mean, just get over it, friend. Let it go and get right with God and sing, hallelujah. Brother, I'm telling you, uh, we got a good choir, but we can have a great choir if some folks can get right with God and get back into one preaching on the choir, amen. I'm telling you, friend, uh, listen, get in and give God all you got. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes as a pastor, you do get aggravated. Y'all get aggravated at me, so why can't I just blow off a little steam for a few minutes? We're all the same, even me. But I'm telling you, give God 110. Don't give him 75 or 85. Give him 110. I mean, go 100% with God all the time. Amen. You say, why? Because life's too short, friend. You're going to turn around one of these days and the tide's going to be crashing at your feet. And I want to tell you something. I don't know how many years I got down here. I plan on living to be 100 if God will let me. But, uh, and pastor until I'm 95. Amen. That's what I'd like to do. But you say, well, you say, but I want to tell you this tonight. I don't know how many years I got down here, but I want to give God everything. Well, people come by sometimes and say, you need to slow down. I don't listen to that. No. Amen. I don't listen to that. Because if the rapture takes place, I'm going to run as scared as I can to the judgment seat. Because it's coming, friend. I want to lay up all the treasures I can, don't you? I'm not telling you I got it all together, and I'm not telling you I'm doing everything. That, that, but I don't want to waste a second, do you? I mean, if he's coming, if he's coming five years from now, let's don't waste one second. Amen. I told my wife the other day, I said, I know you got to sleep, but don't you just hate to sleep? How many of y'all hate to go to sleep at night? I do. I sleep seven hours now because I read that if you don't sleep seven hours, it raises the risk of a stroke. And so I thought, well, I'll sleep seven hours, but I hate every minute of it. I set my clock, she'll tell you the truth. I set my clock. For exactly, not seven hours and one minute. I sleep exactly that because I know you need a little rest. But I tell you, if I had my way, I'd never sleep one minute. Amen. I know I lost half of you when I said that. You know what I read the other day? Titus chapter number one. He said the, the Grecians are always evil beasts, slow bellies. I thought, what in the world is a slow? I've seen some slow bellies, but what is slow bellies? <laughs> you know what the, the phrase slow belly means? It means lazy. It means just lazy. And I thought to myself, you know, I know a lot of slow belly Baptists, don't you? I'm thinking about preaching that when I go out somewhere. Slow belly Baptists. Don't waste. See, you boys, y'all ought to be up at 5 o'clock every morning. Amen. Eating oatmeal and doing your homework. Somebody say amen. Come on. I'm talking about get up. 
Don't lay in the bed. Don't be lazy. There's, there's a lot to do for God. And the orders is, Jesus, notice what he said. He said, behold, I come quickly. Amen. He's coming back quickly, friend. We ought to make the most of our time. Redeem the time because the days are evil. I mean, serve God. Make the best of your life. Let your life count for the cause of Christ. You say, I'm a housewife. You ought to clean that house. I mean, you ought to be able to eat off the toilet, friend. It's so clean in that house. I'm talking about clean. Uh, clean your house, uh, whatever your job is. Uh, uh, you ought to be a good mother. You ought to be a good housekeeper. Amen. And don't go off and brag about it. Just do it. Amen. Isn't that right? I mean, just work. Be clean. Give God your best. I see here not only the orders, but then I'm done. I see here the overcomers of this church. Look what he said in verse number 12. Him that overcometh when I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go in no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Now you've got to remember in this verse, he's talking to Philadelphia. But you can tell in this text that Jesus already has the millennial on his mind. He's talking about that New Jerusalem coming down. Talking about their names being written, amen, in their foreheads. He's talking about them in the days. But what you ought to gather out of this, church, or this text tonight, verse number 12, him that overcometh while I make a pillar in my temple. I'm going to tell you something. Those Philadelphian saints, what kind of a saint are you going to be tonight? Let me illustrate it, and we'll be done tonight. Everybody knows what a Corinthian church member is, don't you? That's a carnal, worldly church member. You know the Corinthian church was the most gifted church. Gifts do not necessarily mean spirituality. They were very gifted but they were not spiritual. Just because people have gifts that don't mean they're spiritual. And then there's the carnal church, there's the Corinthian, there's, the, there's that Thyatiran church member, that's that worldly church member. And Laodicean, that's that lost church member. But there's that Philadelphian saint. You know who them Philadelphian saints are? It's them people has been faithful. You don't got to be 100 years old to be a Philadelphian saint. It's some people that, that love God. You can be a young man or a young lady and be a Philadelphian saint. It's some people that have determined that I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful to church and I'm going to give God my best and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to let the things of this world, the cares of this world pull me away. They live for church and they love God and they, they put church first. And I know I'm preaching to the Sunday night crowd, but I want to tell you, when I get around those Philadelphian saints and boy, they're always full of God and they're, they, they have a prayer life and they, and they're not perfect, but, but they pray and, and they read their Bible and they, and they try to live and read. That's Philadelphian saints. And I want to tell you something, friend. I thank God for the gray hairs in this building, but I want to be honest with you. I appreciate some, some young couples and I appreciate some teenagers uh, that have said, hey, I'm going to go 100% with God. And we praise the older saints and we ought to. But don't you thank God for these, uh, these moms and dads, these young families uh, that are being faithful and saying, hey, I'm going to live dedicated. I'm going to live right. I'm going to raise my family right in 2019. It may not be popular today, but I'm going to just stay with the church and old time religion. It's what we need. You know the hope, there's hope for Bible Baptist Church. Tonight, we was talking yesterday, we was talking yesterday, a lot of saints have gone on. A lot of saints that was over there 
are now up yonder. One by one. And you know, if there would have been others come along that would follow in their footsteps, this church would be no more. And that's true about any church. I thank God for what we have tonight. But you know, as a pastor, God's always dealing with my heart about this one thing. It's really not so much about today, but it's how's it going to be tomorrow. I told a man the other day, we was talking about pastoring. I said, I'll tell you what pastoring is for me. It's really not about pastoring today. It's constantly working about five years from now, ten years from now. So, Brother Gravity, why would you worry about that? Because if we don't, it's what we have today won't be here tomorrow. Isn't that right? If we don't train teachers, we won't have good Sunday school teachers down the road. If we don't train children, if we don't train young people to play and sing it, to play instruments and sing songs, you know why we have a youth choir? So that y'all sing in the bigger choir. And you do. I thank God for that. But it's just, it's just training constantly. It's passing the torch. It's keeping it. Because what we want 20 years from now is not just to have a church. Isn't that right? Brother, the goal is not just to be over there on the bypass and have a nice building and have it paid for. I mean, that's, that's not the goal at all tonight. That's not, that's not what we're aiming for. You say, well, preacher, what are we aiming for? We're aiming for 20 years, two decades from now. We're aiming to have the same atmosphere, the same book, the same Bible, the same Spirit of God, the same convictions, the same standards, uh, and some more good, solid families. You may have a few more gray hairs in your hair 20 years from now, but don't you want to have your children's children coming up in the same church uh, and people still be shouting and still praising God. Hey, that's what the goal is, amen? That's the goal. It doesn't matter if it's here or if it's over there, but we've got to constantly keep working. I want to tell you something. That is a greater task than building a building or moving dirt or paving a parking lot. And I want to tell you tonight, I want to bear my heart for just a minute. Give God all you got if you want to keep what you have. Brother, I tell you, if you want to do anything, please, please pray for me and my wife. Please pray for the deacons. Please pray for Brother David and the choir and those that play the instruments. Pray one for another. You young people, you want to do something to be a blessing to your preacher and your church? Pray for your church. Pray for your youth group and pray for, pray for your principal and and his wife, and pray for the those that work with you every day, and pray for your school, and give God your best every day. Because I'm gonna tell you something: you are sitting, and I know you've heard it when I was when I was a teenager, and people would tell me that. I say, "Oh, I've not heard that." But I, one day you're gonna say the same thing I'm about to say to you right now. These are the best days of your life, sitting right here tonight, and help you in this church. These are the best days. Mom and Dad, I want to tell you something. While you still got them at home and while they're running around between your legs and they're, they're playing and you're, you're carrying them out and whipping them and bringing them back and, and you're changing diapers and putting bottles in their mouth and you're bringing them to church and, and all this kind of stuff, these are the best days of your life. Best days of your life. These are the best days of our life. Even God, having a good church. Could you imagine tonight? Could you imagine if you didn't have his church to go to? He said, well, I'd find another one. You would. But I'll tell you, it's a task tonight. I'll get on a plane in the morning and go to a church, a good church. But it ain't this church. 
It's a good church. You know, many people won't say amen all week. Be very quiet. Very good church, but be very quiet. And it's a great church, but it's not this church. Brother, I'm going to tell you, it's that way all across this country now, ain't it? Tonight, we ought to pray much for our church as we stand. Thank God for the place to worship. Tonight, if you need to come, would you come tonight? Maybe you need to come and pray about something. I don't know. I don't really have a proposition other than to say I thank God for Bible Baptist. I thank God for a place to worship and bring my family. Just a good place. I thank God for the friends and the fellowship that we draw from each other. And I would say tonight, please carry a burden for your church. Pray for the power of God and do your part. And you are, most of you, as far as I know, the people in this place are given giving your best to this place, to this church. And I appreciate that. And the deacons appreciate it. And the membership appreciates it. But if there's somebody here tonight, you ought to thank God for a place to just worship. There's so much more we need to be doing. Please, roll your sleeves up and get busy. Do something for God. Go after people. Brother David's going to sing tonight. While he sings, you obey God.